3-0 pitch. Is hit in the air to left and caught. Jared Walsh. What a play coming in to get it with a sliding grab to Rob Bryant. And to rob the National League. What a play. This is BetQL Daily with the Joes, Joe Ostrowski and Joe Giglio. Welcome back, BetQL Daily on the BetQL Network. Joe O and Joe D. Talk and Rihanna. Yeah, and our third, our co-host, our third co-host. How would we, we re, would we rename the show, or would she just join BetQL Daily? I mean, no, we become. Do we even become featuring or with? Like it's she's the headliner. And we're yeah. just the backup singers. Forget about it. The Joes, who cares? Who cares? It's Rihanna. Daily with Rihanna and, and the Joes in the background. DJ and Rihanna. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, but listen, that, that's, if, if that's what we have to do what, to grow the show, we'll do it. Uh, we're talking to baseball this hour. The call there, Joe Buck, with the uh, sliding catch by Jared Walsh in the All-Star game. Second half of the MLB schedule starts tonight. Yankees, Red Sox, and then tomorrow, with all the teams, and this is the week, this is that time period where everyone's off for a couple of days. We, we kind of recalibrate win totals, World Series picks, um, and how we would bet everything in baseball moving forward. Let's bring on Sean Zarillo of the Action Network. He just put out his updated projections, win totals, percent chance to get to the World Series, win the World Series. We'll get into it all right now with Sean Zarillo. Sean, the, uh, the All-Star break is kind of that time to, to look here. And, and to recalibrate win totals, when you did yours and, and you um, you redid the projections, what, what stood out the most? Was there a team that kind of took a, a gigantic jump or fall? Like What stood out to you when you redid your uh, rankings? Yeah, I think in terms of how much injuries might have affected some of these projections. So obviously you have to take what teams have done thus far and prorate their record to date alongside a new true talent ranking relative to the rest of the league and a team like Atlanta who's had significant pitching injuries uh lost Ronald Acuna Jr. for the season last week that was pretty devastating I've downgraded their projection by more than 10 wins since the start of the season same with the twins close to say about six and a half seven wins and then on the opposite end of the spectrum you have a team like the Rockies who people thought might be the worst team in baseball coming into the year I've upgraded them by seven wins preseason so there's a lot of fluctuation based on what teams rosters that the rosters the teams are playing with right now but as we head into the trade deadline i think there's still a substantial amount of upgrading or downgrading that we're gonna have to do so it's it's not a static situation i think it's going to be very fluid over the next few weeks yeah if you love betting baseball futures highly recommend this in-depth piece by sean actionnetwork.com actionnetwork.com uh we want to go over all the the different races division and uh, some of the other futures, which you mentioned in this piece, but as, as long as you said, uh, brought up Acuna, the injury right before the end of the first half here, how do you think that impacts the NL MVP race? Uh, such a devastating injury. I just love watching that guy play. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clearly a, a two-horse race in both leagues right now, and in the NL in particular, I didn't expect to see DeGrom more than two wins clear in terms of a wins of a replacement projection over the rest of the season than Tatis Jr. Uh, DeGrom finishing at 8.4 wins of a replacement. I, I should say I have it. That's, those are market consensus projections from a few different sources that I use. But DeGrom finishing at 8.4, Tatis finishing at 6.3, and then everybody else kind of down from there. Trey Turner, 6.1, Max Muncy, who I bet. Say about a month ago, he's 
projected to finish fourth at 5.4 wins above replacement. He didn't even clear 200 in batting average last year. So amazing how these, you know, small samples from last year have sort of just completely diminished in the eyes of the full season. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think Turner has slight value, uh, you know, at his current pricing. But, really, I would be surprised at this point uh, if it's anybody other than Tatis or DeGrom in the NL. Sean, looking at your uh, projected win totals, what, what stands out to me, I notice, is the gap between the teams that make the playoffs and those you have falling short of the playoffs. And I think in the NL, the gap is nine games. In the American League, it's either four or five, as I, as I look at it again. That's pretty big. Um, would you say right now, and I know you said it's fluid and the trade deadline could change some things, but are these races effectively over? It sure seems like the NL Central is headed that way. Uh, the, the NL East, I still think the Phillies have a chance in there. I, I actually showed some value on their divisional odds. I projected those at plus 490. Uh, I've seen as high as plus 650 out there on the Phillies. So if you don't have an NL East future already, I would consider taking a shot on the Phillies. I have a bunch of Mets money, and I'm not really somebody who hedges out of position, so it's not something that I'm looking to do. I think the Brewers are really starting to pull away in the Central. And frankly, as somebody who bet futures banking on the fact that the NL West was going to finish with the best record. I'm getting a little worried that the Brewers are going to start to run away with it because the whole supposition that I had regarding the NL playoff picture was that the, the NL West champion would draw the wild card winner who right now looks like another NL West team. And then the NL East and the NL Central champions would play each other and guarantee one of them making the NLCS. So I have viewers on the futures on the Brewers of the best, and I'm getting a little worried that one of them is going to end up with the number one seed play the Padres or the Giants of the wild card game and then ended up losing. But, yeah, uh, I, I still think the, the NL West is pretty much up for grabs. Um, but really, in the AL Central, the AL West, and the NL Central are all starting to look kind of locked up. And the odds reflect that. Uh, but the, the AL East, I still think, is wide open. I'm not super confident that my bets are running away with it. <laughs> then the NL West, the Trevor Bauer situation, really, really kind of makes things murky. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you're making us feel smart. We've talked a lot about the Phillies. At uh, I think you could find seven to one out there to win the division uh, a lot this week. So that is something we're taking a look at. And uh, Sean certainly agrees. Uh, when it comes to the second half, some of these futures like uh, division or make or miss the playoffs, how much are you looking at the second half strength of schedule? Yes, it's definitely something that you have to consider just because some teams have played mostly winning clubs and some teams have a lot of games left against non-winning teams. And I think the Phillies are, are a team, if I remember correctly, they have a pretty soft strength of schedule the rest of the way. So that definitely increases their chances in my eyes. They show value on them to win the World Series. I just I don't know if they're going to be able to get to the playoffs unless they win the division. And that's really the tough part is I, I still have the Padres and the Giants finishing close to nine to 10 wins clear of the Phillies each. So I, I don't really know if anybody's going to be able to get a wild card spot in the NL outside of the West. Um, so it, it's, it's very much reflective upon my division odds. And you have to look at those interdivision games in that scenario, because you, you really are going to be having to make up ground in that division race, you know, directly And uh, games between the Mets and Phillies, not sure how many they have directly between the two the rest of the way, but it, it's mostly a, a, ranking kind of driven off of power rankings and then sort of prorated out the rest of the way. I do do, do look at strength of schedule uh, factored in a little bit, but mostly you don't really know how these 
good these teams are going to be by the time they end up matching up. So it's, it's largely driven by their true talent level. Sean Zerillo, the Action Network, joining us here. Talking about some baseball futures at the uh, All-Star break. Second half starts tonight, and then all the teams tomorrow. Yankees, Red Sox tonight. Sean, I, I have found the NL West fascinating all year. You mentioned earlier the Trevor Bauer situation, which, uh, I mean, it's, it's we all have to shrug our shoulders. We don't know what the truth is there. We don't know if he's going to come back. And they extended the administrative leave. Obviously, it's a, um, it's a, a difficult situation for everyone, and, and obviously a victim involved. But when you do the projections here, how do you bake that in? I mean, we have a star pitcher who conceivably could come back in a couple weeks, conceivably could be gone for the season in a division this close. How do you bake that in? And how would you rank the likelihood of each team winning? I would go Dodgers one, Giants two, Padres three. How about you? Yeah, I would put them in the same order. The Padres are dealing with a number of injuries right now. Like Nelly Darvish, uh, they have an entire rotation on the DL. Uh, I should say IL. They've changed the name. My apologies for that. <laughs> but the the uh, you know the prorated projections have I have the Dodgers at 100, the Giants at 94.4, and the Padres at 92.4. But if you look at the teams and the quality of team that they have them on on paper. And if you restarted the season tomorrow, I would make the Dodgers a 101 team, Padres 92 and a half wins, and the Giants I still have down as an 83 win team. So they've they've very much overachieved to this point, uh, and I've I've upgraded their projection since the preseason by five wins. Um, so I think the Giants have definitely improved their projections in terms of the performance they put to date. I mean they're they have three hitting coaches that are doing some work there, and they seem to really have figured out how to rejuvenate a bunch of these older players. So it really interesting things that the Giants are doing. Uh, but that being said, if they do make it to the playoffs, and even with that 94-win projection, I still only have them winning the World Series 2% of the time. So it, there is a change once you get to the game-by-game analysis and get to the playoffs, and that is what is so key for the Dodgers because Trevor Bauer is going to be a huge driver of that potential projection, you know, if he's starting two out of every seven games of the playoffs. So – it's really just a playing time adjustment like I would do for any other team. You take the White Sox, for example. I kind of have to figure out how many at-bats I would give Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert the rest of the season. So I, I give them about 180 and 100, respectively, in terms of plate appearances. And then I can adjust Bowers, you know, pitching innings and his contributions the rest of the year and sort of move that projection up or down. So seeing a, a projected six-win gap at the end of the year between the Dodgers and their next closest competition, the Giants and the NL West, I think you would need more than Bauer not pitching in order to move that significantly closer. But that being said, I don't project him for more than about a month's worth of innings the rest of the way. With the Action Network's Sean Zarillo here on BetQL Daily. Sean, I think uh, during our last conversation you had mentioned that you've bet on the Giants in the first half more than any other team. Are, are there any teams back of your mind that uh, you believe will be bet on or fade teams in the second half? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how the markets adjust to, and it took the it took the market forever to adjust to the Giants. I would say until early July, I was betting on them pretty consistently. In the last couple of weeks, it's really fallen off. Uh, seems like the market has finally come around to them being a legitimate club and. Maybe it's going to overcorrect in the second half and you might find value going against them because I mentioned I only still see them as an 83-win team on paper. So you, you put the Padres and the Giants head-to-head. I think they're obviously going to win close to 60% of those contests you know, on, on average. Uh, so you might start finding value on going against the, the teams that have overperformed or have kind of overachieved to date. Um, you know, I, I don't really know 
how some of these teams are going to go about uh, shipping off players, what the, the Cubs are going to do with Chris Bryant. Um, so I mentioned the fluidity of how I might adjust the talent level of these teams going forward. But one team or two teams in particular who I think are better than what we've seen so far for them, one specifically the Miami Marlins. And the Marlins are going to be a team I'm going to be targeting futures for next season. They're absolutely loaded on the pitching front. They've got another guy, the Miners, Edward Cabrera, who's going to come up eventually, hopefully this season, but maybe next year. Uh, I, I think they are just completely legitimate in terms of the pitching that they're putting out every day. And I, I have a tough time making their projections for individual games lower than about 45%, uh, even above good teams, just because the quality of their pitching is so good. But their lineup is a little bit lacking. And if they're able to add pieces going into next year, I think they're going to be a sneaky contender. But at one point, and I'm not sure what their run differential is currently, they were the only team with a positive run differential in the National League East. Um, I think they... They took some big losses, and that, that might have swung in the other direction. But they have, they've kind of underachieved relative to their run differential all year, and that is an opposite case from where they were last year, where they were basically the luckiest team in baseball, and they've just had a number of blown saves in the eighth and ninth inning this year. So the Marlins, I think, are better than what they've shown, and the Pirates, I feel similarly about. You saw them getting a couple of guys starting the All-Star game, and neither of those were Cabrian Hayes, who I think is one of the best third basemen in baseball. I think the Pirates interest me a little bit, uh, not necessarily from a futures perspective for next year, but I do think that they're a little bit underrated, and I felt similarly coming into the year on them. Yeah, Miami plus 17 in the run differential. They're in last place, uh, and they're second in the division in run differential. Quickly here, about a minute, um, Sean, on AL Cy Young. Joe and I talked about this a couple weeks ago when Garrett Cole was struggling. What's the, what's the value? Where's the value behind him? You have the projections up. You have Cole as the best pitcher in the AL, but it's pretty close, as I see your projections, him and uh, Carlos Rodon. Yeah, pretty close. And with Cole's spin rate data, you know, seemingly on the decline, it's not fully baked into this projection. This is It dialed him down a little bit, but I don't think it's dialed him down completely based off of what he's doing this year. So I have him at 5.8 wins above replacement. I have – Cole and Zach Wheeler is the only pitcher surpassing 200 innings pitched this season, which I think is going to be kind of key in the eyes of voters. Rodon has been an injury risk in the past. I hope he stays healthy. Uh, the White Sox project to finish with three of the top nine pitchers in the American League in terms of full season performance. I don't think they actually are the three of the top nine pitchers in the AL. I think there's other guys like Robert Valdez who aren't going to get a full season's worth of innings who would absolutely be in that category and discussion. Shane Bieber, don't know when he's coming back, so I think you can even talk him out, even though he's sitting at close to 30-1. to one. But a couple of guys who I bet and who I like, Nathan Ivaldi projected to finish third in wins above replacement. Lucas Giolito projected to finish seventh behind his two teammates. I do think there is value on both of those guys still. I think Ivaldi's sitting around 30-1. to one. Giolito, you can still get it 50-1. to one. Would surprise me, obviously, if either of those guys won the Cy Young, but the odds do reflect I think what's close to their true chances. So Evaldi in particular, I really like just because of the projection. And uh, I think it's worth taking a shot against those top AL contenders just because of the concerns you can make against them. Sean Zarillo, the Action Network. Check out his work on the other side. We'll check out the NL West. Who's going to win it? Giants, Padres, Dodgers, Joe O, Joe G. This is Beck UL Daily on the Beck UL Network.